one day nightfall. <laughs> uh, and, uh, that, that's the kind of intro I do when it wasn't very good, but it was good. <laughs> so, oh dear, oh dear. Uh, anyway, yes, Monday Night Raw, welcome to Evidence of Effort for the third week straight. What do you even do with this? What do I even... <laughs> what is this craziness? Three weeks straight of genuine effort. And, yeah, again, again, I don't really care why the effort is happening. Which is a topic we discussed this time last week when I had Rance Morris some chair shirt on. And it's the exact same thing here. This week, there's evidence of effort going in. It's a better show. It doesn't make... Not everything on the show makes logical sense. Especially if you've, if you've been watching the show. There are things that are happening where you're just like... Just be happy that this thing is happening. There's something that happens in this op- in the opening match <laughs> where I personally was like, yes, that's good that this thing is happening. But also, they- there's no effort for it to make like logical sense in what they have shown on their telly. <laughs> there's been... They're probably, they might hindsight book it, as in down the line, give you a line or so to try and make it make sense. But in the moment, nothing has been set up for the... Like, uh, I'll just get into it. The Hurt Business. <laughs> I was going to say, perfect example. The Hurt Business, back together. Except for what they have shown on TV, it wasn't just Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin getting kicked out of the Hurt Business. Alexander and Benjamin had their own feud. Like, their own blood feud, <laughs> essentially. And they hated each other. So when they come back together, it's a thing you like. And you're like, yeah, they never should have split them up in the first place. Good that they're back together. But also, no effort made for it to make sense. <laughs> so, just... With them on like right now, it's just turn your brain off. It's fun. It may come across sometimes as superficial fun, but it's still fun. <laughs> and I will 100% take that over boring nothing. And that's kind of where we're at. That's the state of where we're at, Monday Raw. But it's evidence of effort for three weeks in a row. Um, again, maybe the tag turmoil was either the final week of the previous era or it's the first week of the current one. I haven't decided yet <laughs> where I want to put it. But at minimum, been three weeks in a row... Where Monday Night Raw feels like it has evidently tried. At least put effort into it, trying to make it feel like a really big deal. Uh, just massive things to keep you hooked there. A really big main events. It's the exact same format every week. And I'll get into that. <laughs> but it's a loaded card. They loaded the card with promises of title matches and gimmick battles. The day after Extreme Rules, which is <laughs> another thing that got talked about. You know... Yeah, anyway, I realised I got into it before I even said it in the introduction, but hello and welcome to the Wrestling Headlines Raw Review. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and we are live here on YouTube and also available in podcast form. Links in the description or head over to wrestlingheadlines.net for all your latest wrestling news. So, Monday Night Raw, the 27th of September 2021 edition of the show, kicked off with a hyped on the pre on Sunday's Extreme Rules pay-per-view. We got it announced that this Raw would be opening with Big E versus Bobby Lashley. And off the bat, I'm going to have to say kudos to Louis Dangle. <laughs> of, of uh, Is he at Give Me Sport now? Uh, he moves... Uh, yeah, former writer for WrestleTalk. I can't remember where he's gone. I think it's Give Me Sport. I do apologise. But he put out on Twitter, uh, well, Big E, Bobby Lashley opening the show. I wonder what's uh, going to close the show. And just as a gag, <laughs> it's probably going to be Big E versus Lashley. You piece of shit. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Because uh, that has been the format, and it's, per- it's it's an enjoyable format. However, observe moderation, <laughs> which is something else I'll get into. Because it was tweeted out as well that so far this year, there'd been 67 non-finishers. By the end of Extreme Rules, WWE had done 67 non-finishers. AEW, two. Two, fin- two non-finishers, as in... There was a run in in the match, or something happened to stop the match from happening. And he's like, non finish also includes just like a double count out in the middle of the ring. Some some screwy finish, some kind of thing. And one of them was because one of the wrestlers in Pack vs. Orange Cassidy legit he got knocked out, he got knocked loopy, and they were meant to wrestle to the time limit. So it was like, well, it still needs to be a draw. What do they do? They ended up just concocting some form of screwy finish. <laughs> they both went down for the KO. But that's, that's obviously, a, obviously a massive different kind of ethos in booking. That said, the number difference... Because even if you try and increase AW's number by including little things... Well, I personally think draws on are screwy finishes. They're not. They're a valid result. As in, just look at MMA, for example. Draws are legit results. So why would they not be here? 
and AEW imposes like time limits to create a chance of a draw. Therefore, it's a result. But even if you try and increase the AEW number, you're not going to break five. And I can't get past three. I, I tried it. <laughs> I was like, let's try and artificially bump up the AEW number, see what the actual gap is. And there were more non-finishes on this show. <laughs> and we finished on a nice number. Also, we're, I think I've figured it out. I think we're only 38 weeks into the year and there's been 68 non-finishers across three shows a week. That number means there's at least one screw finish every single show. Because oh, NXT doesn't really do them as much, I don't think. It's mostly like a main roster thing. <laughs> it's so many non-finishers. Because um, it's across three bands, but the majority of them will be two. So, which is crazy. And we even opened the show with one. But that's the formula. So the past three weeks, they've all opened with some form of <laughs> massive main event, which has been the thing to kind of hook you in. A main event match to open the show. Last week, it was the six man. Here, and the week before was the promise of Biggie cashing in. But here... This week's show was the exact same format as before, and it's the same format as the tag team turmoil, where you have your massive uh, main event match that's going to uh, take over the show. You'll be building hype for it all the time. Then, whilst the match is undergoing, it's a big hot start to the show, and like we get this match, it's awesome, it's great. Then, some form of screwy finish or something to halt the match takes place, and you get Adam Pierce and everybody going out there. It's not going to end like this. Oh, we're good. ladies and night, we're going to have this match. Which the first time it happened, I was like, ah. Eh. Uh, you kind of paused. It was tag team turmoil, so it's a little bit different where they paused momentum then had it main event. Whilst the past two weeks have... Well, last week was a legit finish, but it was in a screwy fashion. And this week here was just you didn't get a finish, so let's do it again and try and hold out interference. It's a fine idea in terms of like booking it, but they've now done it like so many weeks in a row <laughs> where it's uh, three of the last four weeks have had this format. Well, and now when you give a big main event kind of match to open the show, you expect there to be a screw finish. Yeah, as in, don't let this match go on too long because you're not going to give us a result. Yeah, it's becoming a bit of a trope. <laughs> All I'm saying is it's a nice, it is an entertaining way to run the show. And 100% it's better than what we had been guessing. But obviously if you don't mix it up <laughs> in any way, you run the exact same kind of structure every week. Eventually you're going to hit fatigue with it <laughs> as in moderation observe moderation anyway yeah the big title match opened the show with the two strong lads slapping that meat and yes whilst biggie is champion i'm going to keep making that reference <laughs> two minutes of a podcast that makes me laugh every single time i listen to it and it's been about three years <laughs> i still find it hilarious uh, big angry bobbly was lashing out however he's really settling in as champion it's only been a couple of weeks, but he really has settled into that role and building that, already feels like he's building up that steam really, really nicely. His game raising by the day. The big spear through the ropes as we had a really nice shot where Big E's lying on the ground. He saw some kind of feet to the side as he rose. I, I was like, oh, that's irritating. A cameraman's got on the shot. Wait a minute. That's not a cameraman. That's two people in her business t-shirts. <laughs> that's come up and he's on Benjamin and Alexander. Ringside in their Hurt Business tees. And like, oh, crap. Are they getting back together? Uh, Kofi and Woods out for the save as we run into the new, most predictable outcome for WWE. The hyped match swerve into something else for the main event. <laughs> it's happened three out of the last four weeks. It's like, hey, not a bad trope. But come on, you've done it so many weeks now. Observe motivation. <laughs> but yes, we've got, it. we've got the main event, a suitable follow-up in a steel cage match. Also... Just want to say uh, as well, a nice little smile from Bobby Lashley to try and end the match, uh, but he ended up a screw fashion anyway. B Biggie got that hot fire, even though Bobby Lashley tried to capitalise, and then we got Woods and Kofi. So yes, New Davis has hurt business. It was a feud in 2020, or I guess the later half of 2020, that we saw a lot. But then they split up the hurt business for questionable reasons to push Lashley single for his WrestleMania run, and now he's dropped the championship right back. I say right back, he has got his feud with Goldberg, which I assume to be a tag match. Now MVP is legit injured. Who does Bobby Lashley team with? And he's, if he's still going to do a tag match, well, yeah, if you reform the Hurt Business, immediately you've got him a partner, be it Shelton or Cedric. No problems. No problems whatsoever. Uh, yeah, set up the main event. And we, that's actually a stick with it. Let's get to the main event. Because it was a white hot steel cage match. This sets up the main topic for the show, which is Bobby Lashley, <laughs> sorry, Big E, Jim McIntyre. But the steel cage match, 
close out the show. Big boy main events after a big boy opener. Uh, Lashers initiating a brawl before our champion could enter the cage. His fury knows no bounds. Also, Corey Graves and Conte calling it really smart. Whilst immediately I was just like, but the entire point of the cage was to keep the others out. <laughs> so, brawling outside of the cage doesn't do that. <laughs> it's just a brawl. Uh, yeah, Kofi and Woods could easily come out and save the guy. Anyway, after the break, set back into the cage itself. Our two big lads to launch each other around into cage walls. Uh, Alexander and Benjamin there climbing to stop E from climbing over, but uh, Kofi and Woods there to counter that business, including a trust fall off the cage for Kofi, that crazy, crazy man. Uh, taking it in turns for those near falls and failed climbs, elevated by big ending off Brett's rope for the win. Our new champion now able to move on with the draft right around the corner when Drew McIntyre's music plays and out in his pants to point with his big sword comes <laughs> Drew McIntyre. I'm going to fight you, laddie. <laughs> and, but, oh, and Big E just like, oh, oh, oh slap that beat. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll, I'll hold the impressions back for future reviews. <laughs> but yeah, for, and personally, where oh, I, I just assumed this match was going to end and it's like a last final show before the draft, like, fine, it's perfectly fine. You can just then <laughs> go then go into whatever. It's like a end of an era, be it Bobby Lashley going to Raw, uh, SmackDown or someone else. I just assumed Drew McIntyre was headed for SmackDown. And the fact that he wasn't on this show, personally, I didn't... When I say... It didn't feel weird that he wasn't there. It's because there was... A, it would have been weird last year where he was kind of such a strong kind of a benchmark for the show. Uh, but now, like, there are quite a few others who have risen, including Bobby Lashley, including Big E. And they held the show easily up on their own. In terms of, like, the big main event feel. Uh, Drew McIntyre felt like a guy who's been waiting till the next big thing, which I just assumed would be going to SmackDown. And you can use what happened at last year's Survivor Series to build that. However... Him going for Big E suddenly gives me a program of interest before the draft has even happened with the major assumption that he's not getting drafted. However, I do need to point out, even though that gets me excited, it's like, oh, okay, you've got a plan. You at least know where some people are falling. You know Big E will be in Raw. You know the New Day will stay on Raw. You know Drew McIntyre will stay on Raw. There's a chance that Goldberg moves. Goldberg doesn't have a band. He just turns up whatever. <laughs> but if Bobby Lashley maybe moves to SmackDown, he could build to Reigns versus Lashley. Uh, he could even do Lesnar Lashley, which has been the thing that <laughs> Lashley joined WWE, saying that's the match he wants to do three years ago, and he's only like finally now at that point where you can run that match if Lesnar's interested. That's the other part <laughs> to that. That said, in the past, I have been burnt by WWE with something like this, where they've hinted at a program that genuinely does excite me. However, then the draft happens and one of them gets drafted anyway. And they run the match, but one of them has been drafted. Or they go back and forth, or they run it, they then change it to be, well, now it's going to be if whoever wins then takes the title with them. As in, it screams <laughs> that they haven't thought it through and now they're having to make amendments to kind of shift it about. That's been my issue with the draft in the past. Last, last year's, they just drafted storylines. <laughs> Which was, if one went, the other went. And I thought that was bollocks. Because the point of a draft is meant to kind of refresh the fuse, refresh what is going on. And just kind of give that revamp to the roster. Last year didn't do that. They just swapped around storylines. And quite literally swapped the belts. Which was <laughs> <It's> ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, just to... That I thought, yeah, so I personally, the past two drafts, I've really not liked. 2019... There was clearly no plan. We ended up that the post-draft era. There were so many people who, were, who appeared on one band who then just then appeared back on the other. They ended up doing the superstar shake-up to allow back and forth uh, talent, and it was like different things were lasting. Like what was going to stick. I ended up stopping watching because I was just like, I'm just going to let you figure this all out. I'll be back for SummerSlam, <laughs> and then when I turned back in for SummerSlam, it kind of felt like that was what was happening. As in, what they wanted was finally falling into place, but. Yeah, with the draft, you need to have a plan or at least know what you're going to do with some people. Again, last year's was, I would feel like, I felt like it was a lazier version of that where they just drafted storylines over. What was working on Raw ended up on SmackDown. Like, whole feuds, Alistair Black, Kevin Owens. <laughs> the Mysterios versus Rollins and Murphy, just full storylines just drafted over, meaning nothing felt fresh for the first little while, for the first few months. 
like now, to be fair, SmackDown, by the time you get to WrestleMania, you were getting those fresh feuds, but you'd had months of the same, just in a different colour. Because it was blue now instead of red. <laughs> uh, this year, personally, if you, if you establish a few, are going to stay. For me personally, the Hurt Business to SmackDown, because there's that other worry of, well, they set something up, but sometimes in WWE, they'll then just draft them because, uh, whatever. Like, like when AJ Anderson and Gallows were starting to hit their stride with the beat up John Cena, with all that stuff. Then you get over... Then AJ just... Yeah, he just got drafted somewhere else. It's like, oh, we thought we were in a stride. <laughs> However, if you build up a trio of the Hurt Business, there's a certain trio on SmackDown that's running the shop. <laughs> and, of course, the Hurt Business versus the Bloodline. Like, why would you not run that? <laughs> that's awesome. And then Drew can stay in Raw. Can have your big battle with Drew. You can move over a different guy <laughs> to go into the main event scene from SmackDown just to freshen it up a bit. Other people who... Maybe have tickled the main event, but they just can't. There's just not a way in on SmackDown. Yeah, you can rotate them, and maybe it's even a half decent year to swap over the mid card brands, as in Nakamura to Raw and uh, Demon Priest over to SmackDown. It just quite often it's whatever's working they rotate round. Yeah, and the bigger brand gets the thing that's working. Demon Priest is working. The Hurt Business was working for some reason they stopped it, but Bobby Lashley's clearly working. Uh, also, it's Drew McIntyre, so it's one of the two to really freshen it up. So, yeah, the draft's quite an exciting time. But the idea of Drew McIntyre versus Big E is also quite intriguing. Because either they've sensed that there are a few boos creeping in with Drew McIntyre. Personally, he's just done a perfectly fine job and then got average booking. It's difficult to stay a hot fire babyface when the creative behind you just isn't that strong. Drew's doing a really good job <laughs> with what he's been given. But it's, it's just not that much to run with. So either you do the very rare thing of a babyface versus babyface feud on WWE TV. Or Drew's turning heel. And personally, I don't mind either route. It's, it's rare to say that for WWE. I would personally keep him babyface. I can have... Because they, the kind of hot fire babyface fuel that they have is of a different variety. So you can use that. It's the thing about... John Cena, whenever he feuded with a babyface, he can come across as a dick, but he would he's never a heel, because they have clear things that they stand for. Which is which is the thing which I've complained about WWE for the past few years and like praise AW for. You can run those kind of feuds when characters actually have distinguishing features. They're not just you could not not just having dialogue where you could swap in anybody and it wouldn't really make any difference, which has been the case for Raw in the past. Or recent past even. But with character, with what we've seen on Monday Night Raw since, I guess, the Thunderdome, not Thunderdome, since the lockdown era, they were forced to focus on their characters. And now that fans are back, you can see the better end of that, like coming out of that where they were forced to work on it. Yeah, the shows are quite often bad. Yes, what I was critiquing, where you could swap characters out with dialogue and it wouldn't really make a difference, still happened. But they did focus on some characters. And because they got built up in that manner, now you're seeing it. And it's all, the show's all the better for it. Those guys are now being elevated, like Big E. You've got that really strong singles run. And McIntyre as well built us up to be a top guy. This is a, like the biggest feud Raw can do, or current Raw with their current roster. This is like the biggest match they can do. Pardon the pun, because Big E is champion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who, who else would be the next person in line to challenge him? Uh, the only worry is this is a crown jewel match, and it's just to get it out of the way. And then he can excuse if one of them gets drafted. Yeah, yeah. But personally, for me, <laughs> keep Drew on Raw. Can even turn him heel just to make it a bit different. But you could also do that idea I was talking about because they both Drew and Biggie do have such distinguishing features. You don't have to turn one of them heel. One can be more heelish, but you don't have to fully turn anybody. And yeah, the idea of the bloodline versus the hurt business is surely too good money of an idea <laughs> to not to not take up. Uh, yeah, run that. Run that shit, yes. <laughs> the Moody Lashley Lesnar down the line as well. Uh, yeah, it gives it's, with with quite often with the draft, I can get excited. I can see all the possibilities. It's just that the past two, uh, past three have been a bit messy. Last year's was cleaner, but that's because they just drafted storylines. So it wasn't interesting. Didn't shake things up at all. <laughs> so uh, compared to the past two years, where they did, they made yes, they made drafts and things, but there was no road for any of the any of the picks and they didn't they're making like big calls like, oh this big, this big trade just happened between Raw and Smackdown 
but it didn't really mean anything there's no idea for it and there was a second draft for the <laughs> flipping <laughs> uh, USA with the uh, with the sports robot Ugh. as an Englishman I didn't know what was going on <laughs> there was a sports robot in the war room with the other executives yeah cool anyway yes June McIntyre is Biggie Huge match, huge potential, and it creates potential for other things because if it frees up the Hurt Business to go to SmackDown, oh, just, yes, there's good, there's really good stuff there. <laughs> so well done, WWE. Anyway, I'm going to now go through the rest of the show. Actually, as I was hyping up New Day, sipping my, on my New Day mug, I hold no biases. Thanks, <laughs> uh, Sit down, me. Sit down, Biggie, on my mug. Eric with Ivar versus Adrian Garza with Humberto Carrillo. So, I will say as well, this is the first Raw, since we're doing like the exciting kind of bookending of the shows and just filling it with all this hype and giving you title matches to kind of keep you interested in the show, this for me was the the worst kind of middle of the show that they've done. It's difficult to say that the shows, in terms of reviewing the shows overall for Raw, because they've bookended them so strongly you can be like, ah, but overall they did deliver like some really strong stuff. And that's the same on here. There was some really strong matches scattered throughout this show, as well as stuff that just, just took up time, created another segment. This was e- this was the first Raw in a while where I had my fatigue point, where I, when I started doing these reviews, uh, a, few, a few months in, I was like, I've started to notice, I just feel like I'm done with the show by a certain point. Let's call that the fatigue point and note when it happens and like how many weeks is it happening. It's been a while. It's only been quite a few weeks since I've had my fatigue point during Raw. Even before the shake-up, there were like, there was some form of momentum with the show. Like, with the fans returning back, maybe that was a huge thing. But I don't know. Actually, no, I was, I was complaining massively <laughs> the first month or so. But still, like this is the first week in a while I've had my fatigue point. It was just so there were lots of really short segments and like non-finished matches, which again, I'm not labelling. Oh, non-finished match equals bad. But no, non-finishes can work, they can be fine. But to have done, and after this show, you're at 69 or 70. I can't remember if there's two or three more. But to say you're around 70 non-finishes in 38 weeks, that is insane. (laughs) That is crazy. (laughs) To have that level, that consistently, that's crazy. And the majority of those are over just the two shows, NXT, it's kind of sprinkling the odd one in. But on Raw and SmackDown, they're happening every single week. And there were like three on this Raw, <laughs> which is, that's just one show. That's crazy. I saw the number and then the show just took it right back up, <laughs> which is insane. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, but this opening, they had a few kind of like character progression stuff, but also just like holdovers because it's the final show before the draft. This, that's what created this for this show. Maybe that's what gave that the main event a feel of finality as well. Because there were so many kind of like holdover matches on this show, including Charlotte Flair's match with Dewdrop. It was just, yeah, a holdover is what I would call it. So there wasn't much momentum kind of throughout the show. It would be up and down uh, with a lot of filler. Easily my least favourite show in quite a while. Even though the evidence of effort is still there and there was... A match in particular in the middle of this show that I thought was fantastic as and I really enjoyed both bookended matches between Ian Lashley. Uh, but there was a lot of stuff on this show which just took up time. I didn't care about and there were so many non-finishes across it. So anyway, we got a P-match promo with Carilla, Creo calling Angel Garza and Creo the hottest new tag team. Run with it, run with it. <laughs> so we've got a couple of gorgeous lads as a tag, tag team. Just go with it. Yeah, just make us hate them. Make us hate them and their well-groomed beards. Anyway, the two must have impressed last week because here they are with an outing designed to showcase everything great about them uh, in a heel sense as well. A distraction from Bertie, super kick and wing clipper from Gaza. Uh, the handsome boys win again. That's not what they'll be called. <laughs> That's currently what I'm calling them until they have a name. <laughs> uh, the handsome boys uh, getting their singles win here. Uh, amazing pose as well to close out the segment. Uh, on the barricade with Angel Garza just lying across the barricade. <laughs> Shawn Michaels' playboy style. Of, sorry, Burt Reynolds' playboy style. Uh, with a very uncomfortable red-hatted male behind him. <laughs> Who just like, mm, mm. <laughs> As very sweaty Garza post, uh, post there. Camille's like, oh yeah, isn't he good? Isn't he good? Yeah, the, the Camille in this role is working really well. And 
uh, I don't know, it felt like Cleo needed something after... The, his presentation essentially was, look, he's, he's, he's pretty good, isn't he? And then Pam went, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> There's nothing further. <laughs> you got him to show plucky babyface heart. This tag team with Gaza can give him so much character because Gaza is just oozing with it. Uh, and letting him do these little promos as well is just going to help with that. I'm all in on this team. Just keep them together for a little while. They're not at that point yet where they feel like like one of the teams in on Monday Night Raw. They're, they're still two singles lads put together. And they can gel, they can grow. Uh, all positives so far, all positives. This is not one of my negatives on this show. Yeah, it was a match without like that much oomph to it, but it's like a new introduction of a new act, so uh, that, that happens with a lot of them. Anyway, next up, 24-7 Championship. As a, ah, yes, this is a holdover show before the big draft. <laughs> uh, Reggie versus Ricochet. It's Reggie time, get ready for this TikTok news. And he's not in the pre-main event death slot. Good for you, Reggie. Good for you. You're segment number three on the show. Well done. <laughs> this is not a death slot at all. This is at the like momentum building stage of the show. Kudos in the first hour. On the other side, ah, oh, Ricky, my man. <laughs> oh no. Oh, oh you're in twenty four seven again. <laughs> uh, but on paper, in front of us, I'm like, oh, look at this. We've got a little flippity floop flying contest. Oh, isn't this interesting? A really interesting pairing on paper. But we're not going to get that. And personally, for me, this is what the 24-7 title should be. You can create so much variety with that title. And that's why when I pick out DDT, that is a prime example of that. Not all of their 24 championship matches are pure silliness. They use it for complete variety, any idea, whatever they come up with. Yes, a lot of it is just mental. <laughs> yes, a monkey has held that title. <laughs> a genuine monkey. But, <laughs> all that said... It's a point it's adding variety. You can create spectacle from it. Reggie is a spectacle, but they keep putting him in the exact same situation. Reggie versus Ricochet is just like, oh, wow, you can actually create an interesting situation from this. But no, you're just waiting for the comedy beat, because it's a comedy title. It's not a variety title to just give a little bit of spice of energy in different forms or whatever. It's the same form. It's been the same note ever since it was introduced. <laughs> it's been two and a half years of the exact same beat. And now it's, instead of R-Truth escaping in a silly manner, it's Reggie escaping in a Cirque Soleil fancy manner. Uh, which is really impressive, but they're still running the same kind of beat. It's like, ah, oh, it's a shame this is just a comedy belt. It, it gives a little bit of light relief. Again, it's, it's, one of those th- it's one of those things, which is fine. Just turn your brain off. It's silly fun. And I, I watch it critically. It's like, but this could be right. This is going to have so much variety to the show. You can you can create in like unique spectacle from this, and this pairing showed it me. But I'm just waiting for the comedy beat, and it came after just one flip to the outside. And Mavericks, Mavericks jumped in for our 69th no contest of the year. Noise, not noise, because <laughs> it's oh, oh dear, oh dear. Yeah, I mean, I say oh dear, oh dear. It's a comedy belt. This is where this is like one of those scenarios where a non finish. It's a comedy belt. It's fine, but also like. It, it just it's like a waste of time almost like you, get, you have them do both do their full entrances they do like two or three sequences and then they immediately jumped and it turns into the comedy runabout and Maverick's trying to get to Zawa to stop him with a walkie-talkie uh, uh whatever and that leads into Akira Tozawa then staying in the ring for the debut of Keith Lee yeah we did get the as you know, we got. Little, I'll talk about the thing that happened before the match because they did that thing where lads come out and then when you come back from ad break, an entirely different thing happens. Just like, just stay focused. You can just, you don't have to do it like that. I don't. I think their thought is if you hype when you return from break, if you hype up what's to come, then the viewer is more likely to like stay tuned rather than the thing that's there in the ring. I don't know if there's any evidence to prove that works. But as watching it as a viewer, it just feels like the focus is all over the pace, place and that messes with the pacing. Uh, I'll get into that rant later. <laughs> because Akira Tozawa stayed in the ring. And that's when we got the debut of Keith Bearcat Lee. Uh, yeah, Tozawa, he demanded a form of match. So he's, he's angry, he wants to, he's going to demand somebody faces him. It's the slightly rebranded Keith Lee. Uh, Bearcat and homage to a ground-breaking uh, legend. Uh-huh. If you want to know more, I just recommend just googling the term. It will come up. 
yeah, like Bearcat wrestler, that it will it will come up. You'd be like, oh, okay, fair dues. It's it's just an interesting rebrand for Keith Lee because personally, for me, I've always thought Keith Lee was perfectly fine without all of this. Oh, what can we do to get him over? No, 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 no. Where on his debut, my main thing was they stripped back a lot of his uniqueness, the thing that made him him. Uh, as in, like, his theme that was originally sung by him he had to fight for, his look, they started covering him up. And I was just like, can't you just let him be him? Why do you have to do that? <laughs> uh, that said, this was a this was a rebranding, which is, like, specifically to work within, like, the Vince's world type of thing, where the original Keith Lee was, like, a Triple H world guy, then came to the main roster and Vince tried to make changes to him. Keith Bearcat Lee is a... Pure idea to work with Raw or Vince. Whoever pitched him, obviously they're pitching him with Vince in mind. And that's one of those things where this could possibly work. Uh, we'll see, we'll see. I don't, you don't know if he's babyface or heel yet. Because this is a complete rebrand of Keith Lee. He could be a destroying bad guy. Because he just came out and beat the crap out of Tazawa. Can't take any more notes on that. I assumed babyface. It's Keith Lee. You're going to have to put in more work to make us boo him. While over big guy destroys little one. Yeah, destroying the Tower Tower with ease and comfortably winning with the Big Bang Catastrophe. Note, not the Glory Bomb. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Not much more to say. Not much more to say. But before that match happened, the thing that was before this, when we got, came up from the ad break, as in the jumping all over the place, oh, what's this? Uh, Matt Middle was on his scooter backstage, and then the interviewer comes in to talk to Matt Middle, and immediately I, was just, I just paused it and I just went, did they do it again? <laughs> well, oh no! After I was just praising them for the evidence of effort and it's showing in the little details, and I talked about this last week. It's like in terms of like the production of the backstage stuff, you can sense that evidence of effort because those silly little mistakes weren't creeping in. They did on this week's show. So, oh, that sucks! It sucks! It's just little, little production things, as in not cutting away quite quickly from the gentleman after like a thing has been said. Well, when the scene has ended, just fate staying too long on it type of thing. Or the kind of the orchestration, the directing of the scene itself is just a little bit stoic. People hitting, hitting their mark, just the movement just a little bit off. As in, as in feeling rushed and not really practiced or thought through. And read its head again. Riddle scooting backstage. Interviewer comes on in. But the way they've got it framed... They got him doing the crab walk again. It's <laughs> just like, how did you not learn? <laughs> how do you do this and not learn? <laughs> it's like, oh, at least they didn't do walking down a hall so you could fully see it. I I rewounded. I was like, wait, did you do it again? And then on the rewind, I was like, oh, I've done it again. <laughs> it's just like, what is this? <laughs> uh, yeah. Inter- interviewer comes in from the side and he's doing the crab walk. And I'm just like, I'm not listening to what Riddle's saying now because I'm busy gifting that. <laughs> it's just like, oh, come on. Uh, AJ, uh, yeah, he, I missed what he said. Generally, I didn't hear it. I was just thinking about the crab walk. It's like, why? In my head, it's like, why? Again, you don't have to, sh- just don't shoot it like that. Just do it. <laughs> the main focus, the focus is so strongly on the wrestler. They just completely forget to not make the other person in the shot feel like a twit. Because, yeah, the wrestler is the main focus. However, the thing with filmmaking is you're meant to have control of absolutely everything in the shot. If, and which is why you kind of like somebody's walking in the background and not meant to be. It's like, oh shit, and then move out of the way. If you're not paying attention to everything on the shot, then something can ruin the whole thing. And that's what this is. Having the interviewer, when you can see him below the waist and he's doing the funny little, he hit his, because he does a little crab walk, hits his spot and then adjusts. <laughs> so it's really funny. <laughs> It's like an additional little crab, like, oh. <laughs> but they, but that is not having, con- that's not good direction. It's not having good control of your scene. And the fact that it's happened again, <laughs> it's the, happened once, fine. And, th- and then I wasn't seeing it happening again. I was seeing get a bit more of kind of like fluid production with these backstage things. Uh, they had this one, it's again, it's just, it's bad. There's no other way to put it. With good direction and good thinking things through, you everything on that scene, nothing looks weird. Because the whole point is it can take somebody out of it, which it did me. <laughs> I missed what Riddle said. He could have said absolutely anything because I wasn't paying attention. 
But I did catch the second bit because visually I saw him looking up at a tall person and you know what's going on next. Uh, AJ and Omos turned up uh, to set up our tag team little feud that's going on. Uh, and Omos is tall. Uh, and like, all this means our rematch counter is about to shoot through the roof after MVP's untimely injury. So uh, yeah, uh, Omos is tall if you didn't know. I'll, I'll, I'll get into that later. That Omos is tall. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's a little feud where... Personally, for me, I'm struggling to get into the uh, Orton, AJ, Omos, um, Orton, AJ, Omos, Matt Riddle, Jesus Christ, I forgot his name. They're trying, I'm not, I'm kind of struggling to get into that because in the Future SummerSlam, in that run-up, we saw these pairings so much in that run-up that I, that I'm not caring at all when that bell rings. Because I've already, I've seen it so many times and they're up against it to get me invested in the match. They're good enough to do it, so by the end, I normally am. But when they're making their entrances, when about the first five minutes, which feels like quite a long time, I'm just not there. I'm just not, I'm not really following what's going on, which is a shame. Which It's kind of is a shame. But also, I kind of understand who else we're going to have them face. They weren't, this wasn't meant to be the plan. There was a huge shake-up, then MVP got injured. The, their next feud is completely, 100% gone. What do you do now? Yeah, yeah. If Herbert is, is going over to SmackDown as well, then hopefully some people from SmackDown come over to revamp the division. There are, numbers-wise, there are tag teams on Monday Night Raw, but like so many of them are not near contender level, where it still feels shallow, even though there are teams there. Technically, numbers-wise, <laughs> so many are kind of like lower mid-card to nothing, which is like, well, it's, it's, it's not a strong division. So, yeah. It's not a case of champion of what division, but it is still pretty... Uh, anyway, moving on to something which is pure praise from me. This is what I was talking about, the thing in the middle of the show, which I've uh, all applause for. No code countouts, no disqualification. The United States Championship, Sheamus' last chance. Damien Priest versus Sheamus. And I brought it up earlier of things that are working. Damien Priest is working, so is Sheamus. Whoever moves brands here... I really can't... Uh, I can't decide which one. I think both would work perfectly fine with switching brands because they're both working. They're both really, really strong. Of course, Fox want Bad Bunny, so Priest has got a strong chance there. But Sheamus is on veteran fire, so he could also shift over as well. And yeah, a last dance before the draft between these two. Yes, it's a Monday night rematch, but Sheamus is on such an incredible role that he's delivering banger matches no matter the occasion. But with this last bout... He is set. Is he set for smackers? It's kind of one of the things I'll talk about. Uh, actually, before I get into it, uh, question. Do I think Sasha will have a good or cringy explanation for her absence? Hmm. I don't really know. It will either just be dissing on somebody, interrupted by Bianca and Becky, or just a little bit scripted and fine, <laughs> I guess. There's, there's loads of different ways it could roll. And with like things being shaken up all around them. Uh, we'll see. We'll see, actually. I don't actually know. <laughs> That's weird. Normally, I've, I form some form of opinion on it. Like, you know what? Actually, it could be fine. It could, especially with the people that she's with. The match it runs into with the triple threat, on paper, is just incredible. <laughs> it's a, such, high, such a high-caliber match. So, uh, it's a strong thing to build to. So, the promo linked to it could be equally as strong just to get the ball rolling. Or it could be nothing. Like, have they even thought of an... My boy is, have they thought of an explanation? How late in the day is it going to be scripted? How much sense and thought through is it going to be? Because as I was just saying, on this show, even though there were strong matches thrown in there, I felt an essence of that kind of effort across the board kind of falling down a little bit. And yes, we will get to Shayna. <laughs> we will get to Shayna later. Uh, I'm really behind Shayna. She could go to SmackDown. Oh no, it's too... I was about to say, I was about to say she could go to SmackDown as well. But as you know, let's talk about the draft later because there are rumours floating about uh, and things to create a little bit of interest, which we'll get to. But pre-Shamus, also, LOL, at WWE giving us a steel cage and no DQ match the day after an Extreme Rules pay-per-view that had all but one standard matches. <laughs> it's just, ah, uh, never too late. Never too late, WWE. Uh, another note to the uh, WWE thing. It's, if I really don't like, a current trope, hyper match. Then the wrestler comes out. Okay, then there's much happening. Ad break. Then we return. An interview is setting up. 
the cage match. Then you show us the cage in the sky. Then you flash the graphics hyping it. Then Seamus comes out. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, just focus. <laughs> you can do this. You can do, you just have Seamus come out when you come back. And then he can hype this stuff. I don't get it. Again, it's some form of audience retention tactic. But I'm really not sure it works in the modern day. And it especially just completely disrupts your show. Uh, in terms of the flow of it. You know, pacing is a big thing within a three hour show. The messy focus, it just messes with all of that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, the match was great. <laughs> I was meant to be all positive here. <laughs> I was just like, I just wanted to get that out of the way. It's, it's, it's a little pet peeve. And in terms of show structure, it's a massive negative because it just removes, it just destroys the flow a bit as they're hyping up something else entirely. You can hype that after the match. Just stay focused. <laughs> it's fine. You don't have to be jumping about all over the place. A slower, kind of more linear thing really works with the three-hour show. If you're jumping all over the place, it starts to tire your audience. Uh, which we have seen with Raws. Raws have different paces and they test things out. Which, I, if I'm going to applaud anything, they're willing to kind of test different show structures, which isn't always the most obvious thing that they're doing, but you can sense it. But anyway, yeah, this match was brilliant, just like their other matches, <laughs> which is the negative to the positive. Like, to the point of this being branded with, trust us, it's their last match. <laughs> you know you've done too many rematches. <laughs> when this is kind of essentially what the tagline is. Like, no, seriously, after this, we're not doing another one. It's like, okay, all right, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see, shall we? Uh, the no DQ nature just fits Seamus' brawling so damn well, too. Uh, the lad able to wallop with his fists and Kendo Six. Uh, sending the fans out happy as they get their table spots. I do not get the fascination, <laughs> but okay. Cool. We saw it at Extreme Rules. Just the number of people, the number of times the crowd has broke up into the we want tables to standard matches. Which I kind of understand because they're at an Extreme Rules pay-per-view. If they haven't been watching the weekly show, they're like, Extreme Rules. We get to see people go through tables. We get to see people ball up with chairs, with kendo sticks. Maybe even a ladder, an announce desk. So like, yeah, yeah. I can understand maybe that a bit. But whenever there's an Extreme Rules match, it's just one of the things to chant. And it's got to that point now where I just don't get the fascination to the point of disrupting a match because you want to see somebody go through the table. <laughs> As a wrestling fan, quite often I'm just like, they're telling a good story here. Like Even Alexa Bliss, Charlotte Flair. Even the fans chanting that one got me because I was actually enjoying the match. I liked the little story they were telling where they were having Alexa Bliss like really show off uh, what she can do in the ring. And kind of just to show Charlotte Flair is like, no, seriously, I am still really good. Uh, still, Charlotte Flair won with shenanigans, <laughs> but she had to resort to shenanigans. But the fans just telling you, we want tables. <laughs> it's just like, uh, the, the best thing's good, but they've got a one-track mind. Uh, but yeah, whenever, whenever there's Extreme Rules match, they want those tables, no matter how good the thing in front of them is. It's just, just strange. <laughs> it really is strange. Uh, the wounds showing on both the champion and challenger as they lamped each other in the middle of the ring. Uh, we also got to see Priest grow as he fakes out anticipating the Brogue counter. Uh, before, we hit again as he is as he reverses the Irishman's table... He reverses the Irishman's table whip to the crash poor Shamo down. Because, of course, it's not an Irish whip to an Irishman. It's just a whip, isn't it? <laughs> so whips him into the table. And, uh, yeah, down goes Shamo. The reckoning for the win. Yeah, really, really good TV match, this. Con, uh, if you're going to watch anything from this show, probably I would recommend I would recommend both the opener and the closing bit for Lashley Big E and also this match. Skip the rest of the show. <laughs> that's that's my main thing with Raw. Compared to what we were getting, this is still miles better. However, the middle of this show, outside of the United States Championship, outside of the main event, is just nothing. <laughs> it's just really. And after this match. I'll really get that across by just telling you what the segments are. So after this, Jeff Hardy, Mansoor and Mustafa Ali versus Jinder Mahal, Via and Shanky. Watching the Mansoor, it's a positive first, watching the Mansoor and Ali pairing interact with the rest of the roster is a joy to see. The match was nothing though, and then Ali with the inside, uh, well, Ali doing is amazing, because it pops me every time. But doing the inside-out sale twice for Via. Did it twice. I'm <laughs> just like, uh, this is, a, I guess, not really much of a match. And it, it gives Mahal a win and his little buddies. Cool, whatever. I'm, I'm quite surprised because I just assumed going into Saudi Arabia they'd get some momentum behind Mansoor. 
but it seems to be their idea is the other idea to get over a baby face is to just keep beating them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't you can't build up that sympathy if they're winning. Then they've got to be crap. <laughs> they've got to lose all the time. Uh, at least it's switched from Mansour taking all the pins to Ali taking the pins. So there is the, the, the dynamic between the two has shifted somewhat. If there's a character run happening, <laughs> that's some form of it. And to just follow on with killing the momentum is Carrion Cross versus Gunner. Oh, he's still dressed like a gimp <laughs> immediately. That's what I was saying. With all of the promos that they were doing, personally, I was really, I was much preferring the presentation they were doing with Cross, where they had him in the suit, given the given those promos. Pretty much the same stuff he was cutting in NXT. But because it was a stronger focus on what his character is than kind of building something, there's something for me to grasp onto. And I was much preferring it. But the entire time I was just saying, but if he comes out just with that stupid mask, when he keeps wrestling in those straps, as Vance said last week, like, yeah, the entrance may look silly, but if he takes the straps off once he's in the ring, maybe you can let, it's just an entrance attire. Once the bell rings, you can maybe put it to one side. But you can't, because he leaves the straps on and reminds you of the crappy entrance attire. Uh, yeah. He needs to show He leaves them on once the bell rings. Oh, and immediately I'm just like, oh, if, if this match doesn't put bums in seats, I don't know what will. Our second match in a row, that was just nothing. <laughs> just like, oh, no, the middle of this show. It had Sheamus and Priest, which was amazing. But around it, it's just the show's just dead. And it's just like, oh, like, yes, a shake-up is good, but this is a warning sign that, yes, there is positive, but well, as well, there's just a lot of nothing, which is the biggest negative I can give for a show. Like, a massive bulk of your three-hour show is absolute nothing that you can skip, you can wind, you don't need to watch it, you can tune out, you can leave. Like, it really is just nothing. Um, and also, given that this is a draft round the corner and they are rebuilding Cross somewhat with these promos, personally, I'd have just left Cross off. Just do a... You can run another promo. Just keep that going. You don't need to have him out there and remind me of <laughs> the crappy attire. Uh, anyway, Cross destroys Gunner. He's not called Gunner, is he? That's his TNA name. I've only just realised I put that in my notes. <laughs> Who does it... What's his name? I call him Gunner. I can't remember. I generally can't remember. Jackson Viker. <laughs> wow. Wow. I care so little about that man <laughs> I, uh, in WWE about his uh, current character. That sounded a bit too harsh when I said, <laughs> can't uh, care less about that man. I meant about the character on the show, which is always the case when I'm doing these reviews. It's always about the characters on the show that I see. Uh, but uh, yeah, they've, he's just yeah, it's a nothing character, and I just he didn't even realise I'd written his former. <laughs> TNA name I'm such a nerd I'm so <laughs> Jesus Christ anyway still dressed like a twit Karen Cross gets the win but he's just got that self-imposed hurdle that I just put in in front of him and I'm just like why are you doing this <laughs> just this, oh, like with Keith Lee when they were trying to just fix him for the main roster when he was perfectly fine already um, yeah he got over for crowds for a reason and then he just overthinking it and just Breaking which would what breaking what would have probably been fine. I don't I don't understand it. <laughs> anyway, we then got a match which I've seen a lot, so didn't really care about it at first, but the ending was amazing. Uh, Riddle versus AJ Styles with Omos. Just another amazing promo. I've seen wrestle just a little too much. Uh, because like there is no other way to set up a tag match than have the champion and challenger singles matches. We saw it with the women's. We've seen it with this one. We saw it in the build-up when, the, when the champions were the other people. And now we're seeing the exact same thing again. <laughs> it's just, there's, there's, no other way, there's no other possible way. You can't have contenders face other tag teams. Because of reasons. <laughs> They've got to face champions in singles matches. There's no other way to build up a tag feud than this. Because you'll see it on both shows. It's the only way to do it. <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, again... It would be alright if they did this booking style in moderation, but it's all—it's like it's the only story they know. <laughs> it's the only way they know how to do it, build up a tag feud, which is a shame. Anyway, yeah, very similar to past uh, strong showings between these two, because this was another really good match. Even going to ad break on a tall Omos, who, if you didn't know, is quite tall. Uh, similar to Priest Sheamus, we saw our baby-facing riddle start to predict AJ's offence. Thumbs up. 
Also, the calf crusher on a man in those shoes really does sell differently. <laughs> so, well done. Uh, and in the end of the match, an incredible RKO counter from AJ up onto the shoulders into something Burning Hammer-esque. It wasn't a Burning Hammer, but it was something-esque. Uh, quickly following up with the Styles Clash and Hot Win. Is it? Yeah, that counter was amazing. The finish was white hot. Uh, yes, you're pinning your champion, but I guess character-wise... Like, yeah, this is like, even afterwards as well, to follow up on that, a kind of little character beat, Omos, with a chokeslam to Vidal whilst shouting, this is my house, as our tag champ suffers without Randy there to save him. I didn't put do that voice in the notes. <laughs> that was on a whim. Uh, no, British Omos. <laughs> Omos, saying this is my house, but with Paige's voice. This is my house. <laughs> uh, why does my version sound like a granny? Granny caricature. Anyway, yeah, um... We got to see our tag champion suffering without Randy there to save him. And that's a little character beat there. Uh, in terms of Matt Riddle getting his foot in hot water. Because uh, he's not wearing any shoes. <laughs> but then Orson's normally there to save him. He's not there though. So the man gets burned. I like it. I like it. The Raw Women's Championship match. Right, this is the final thing to talk about. Then I'll quickly talk about the draft and sign off. But the Raw Women's Championship Open Challenge. Uh, Charlotte Flair versus Drew Dewdrop. They started the show by like, oh, Charlotte Flair's going to be doing Open Challenge. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Can even use, debut somebody and then they get drafted somewhere in the draft. So, yeah, cool. No, during the show, they had a do drop answer it. So, either this was during the show scripting or they just wanted to give do drop a little character moment so that uh, people who aren't familiar, yeah, or, or just give it a little character moment to set it up. Like, it's fine. It's fine. And you know what? I don't mind this. In my head, I'm just like, anything to get us away from another Eve Marie Dewdrop affair. <laughs> like, just seriously. This match set up another rematch between the two. Given that we saw it two weeks in a row. Or was it three weeks in a row? Because the first time it didn't actually happen. Then we saw it twice in a row. And then we got something different. And now this week, they're setting up a rematch. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, it's so much. Uh, but you know what? We've got to see Dewdrop versus... We've got Viper versus Charlotte Flair a little bit. Uh, I... We'll just add that the open challenges don't in WWE don't really hold much like kayfabe weight. Like when anyone can angrily declare a challenge with no regard to wins and losses anyway. <laughs> so really it's just a, we get like our big who, who, we get a big who moment as the crowd's like, oh, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And you get, you get your nice moment. So just enjoy the babyface pop and turn your brain off. Stop wanting the show to make sense. Live in the moment, man. <laughs> Live in the moment. And, uh, yeah, also, as I was typing, I was like, oh, God, that's good. There's any match to keep us away from seeing Eve Marie Dewdrop again. And as soon as I typed that Eve Marie's music hit, it's like, <laughs> Sideshow Bob stepping on a rake. <laughs> like, oh. uh, anyway, this was more of a tease than a match. We're getting to see a wee ten of offense before Eve Marie walked out and Flair won with the natural selection. Like, hey, it was something for the champion to do before the draft. And hopefully she gets a feud drafted to her. Whoever it may be, may be. Uh, Goldberg was after this. But staying... Actually, no. It was after this. But also, this is our pure WWE thing. Where after him, Eva's in the ring. And they did it with Tazawa. They, they did that twice in this show. Where somebody from the previous segment stays in the rings when he come back from ad break. You've then done an interview and they're still in the ring. They're like, they're meant, because quite often when the heel does that, it's like, oh, we're holding up the show. You thought that previous segment had ended. Oh, it hasn't. That doesn't work. <laughs> if you do like 10 minutes of hyping something else when you're from Advake first. Because you know for 10 minutes straight that person's waiting in the ring. <laughs> it's just, the, yeah, they can't possibly be holding up anything because you just ran production and they waited for their beat to speak again. <laughs> it's just like, oh, uh, uh, yeah, it's just, it's doing the thing and completely forgetting why you did the thing in the first place. It's just doing the thing. It's things happening is raw. Anyway, uh, yeah, even Marie cut a generic baddie promo. Like, just, yeah, your, like your call-out affair saying she could beat anybody. Who comes out? It's the person who plays with cards now. It's Shayna Baszler, uh, who chokes the woman out and destroys her arm on the steps just like she did last week. Badass Shayna is back. And we can finally talk about Shayna. Yes, I'm also glad that Shayna is finally back being Shayna. And uh, it felt like last week, uh, also, in terms of character progression, two good beats in a row. 
where we see the conflict within Shayna. And week two, she seems to make a decision. And just consciously, she made a decision. And she, she just did it again. You could tell by her expressions. And I'm just like, that that's good stuff. That That is, a that's atypical for WWE, but that is really good stuff. <laughs> just to see the, the level of subtle storytelling there. For WWE as well, for it all to be sold an expression. Uh, they had her kind of talk about it a little bit, but it's more, again, behind what she didn't say. Which for WWE, that's not how they write. <laughs> that's really nice and subtle. But Shayna, again here, just she seemed to make a decision on the conflict and she decided to be a badass. So massive thumbs up, but also just the way they did it. Just to even get that all across, with just with the expression she was pulling and the way she was holding herself. Like, yeah, this is not what we've seen in WWE. Are we turning a corner? Or is this Shayna just coming up with something and for two weeks it's fine? Because that's the other thing with WWE. The first initial weeks of something, like take The Fiend for example, the direction The Fiend was going for those first initial weeks after his debut at SummerSlam seemed relatively fine before taking a wild turn. <laughs> and, and quite often with WWE, the rule is they'll throw it at the wall, but is that still is that stuff still sticking after four weeks? It's quite often it's either been massively turned into something else or it's just been dropped. Uh, but right now, the base of stuff feels great, feels strong. Anyway, the final thing to talk about was Bill Goldberg. Uh, he was uh, seemingly doing this live from a hotel room, half reading off words like I am now, <laughs> as he's he's a dad. And as a dad, he's going to beat up another dad because he's a dad, damn it. <laughs> so uh, that's his promo. Uh, yeah, getting Goldberg versus Lashley. And again, something was, it was uh, Dadberg and Sunberg versus uh, Lashley and MVP. But with uh, MVP out, who does Bobby Lee Lashley's tag with? Cedric or Shelton, you just bring back the Hurt Business. It's logical, relatively logical, if you ignore the past half a year of television. <laughs> Which is the thing, where, so, oh, when did Cedric and Shelton patch it up after they were bitter rivals? Uh, well, the Hurt Business was good though, wasn't it? So you're excited to see them again. But, yeah, but the last time I saw them, they had a triple threat and they were all fighting with each other. So, like, well, what's happened for Shelton? But not just them to team back with Lashley but why are those two Cedric and Shelton why are they specifically why are they fine <laughs> it's just like uh, just enjoy the moment shut up stop thinking about it <laughs> it's just the Hurt Business is back together you like that moment right like, well yeah but I'd like it with some logic no 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 <laughs> your choices are either no Hurt Business or Hurt Business back together with no explanation <laughs> it's just like oh, oh I, uh, neither to know he's perfect but I guess I don't know why he split up the Hurt Business in the first place so I'm happy to be back together. <laughs> but anyway, yes, draft. Quickly, stuff for the draft, because I started drifting all over the place. So the big rumour is NXT will be heavily involved. Be that, plenty of call-ups, because again, with the shake of NXT, maybe you'll get names called up away from NXT onto the main roster. So there might be some, quite a few NXT names popping up in the drafts. Or the other one was NXT being properly involved, so you see both ways. Um, that's been rumoured before. So it's, it's already at that point where I'll believe it when I see it. They've reached Sting in WWE points, where that's an old reference now, because Sting, Sting debuted in WWE in 2014, which is seven years ago. Reaching seven years since Sting was in WWE. Don't, don't feel old yet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just that thing. There's so many reports of, oh, Sting's going to go to WWE, he's going to debut, he's going to feud with The Undertaker. And... It just never happened. So it got to that point of, you know what? The rumours will pop up every now and then. I'll believe it when I see it. And it was the case when he actually did debut for them as well. It's just like, no, I'll believe it when I see it because there's no point getting hyped up. <laughs> These rumours float about so often. And that's turning into that with NXT. It's like the third, fourth year in a row where those rumours are floating about. What, what capacity will NXT be involved? And right now with the revamp, the word is heavily well, we don't know what that means. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Or, of course, things can change. And the, and nobody, and hardly anyone gets called up, if anybody. And the, the, there is no back and forth draft. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, and, of course, yes, the other rumours as well uh, is Bobby Lashley to feud with Roman Reigns. Um, I've talked about Lashley Lesnar, but the talk was Reigns. Um, the worry was the Hurt Business wouldn't go with him. This was a one-week thing, but... Again, the, that, it's just a rumour. Just a rumour. And again, some of that could just be watching the television. I'm fully aware of that. As in, 
one of the reasons I describe Ringside News as a level of... I don't know, this is one of their... Because I often call them poison, because when a wrestler seems to have been gotten to and is angry, he's tweeting out about, like, oh, don't saying this about me type of thing. Number of times it's Ringside News, I just be, that's, that's why I call them poison. It's just like, you generally, you have a responsibility as an outlet, and if you're clearly getting into, like, the mental health side of these people, to me, you're poison. Just <laughs> stop putting out made-up stuff. <laughs> uh, but that said, quite often the other thing is to report, watch the TV and then report, like, the foreshadowing and building of something of breaking news, the plans are to do this. Like, yeah, if you just watch the show, the show tells you that. <laughs> but I'm fully aware, some people, because I've seen it with my own eyes, with, with friends of mine, who have a complete inability to, re- to read film language. It's like I was saying with Shayna, there's some people who wouldn't have even recognised she was having a conflict until the interviewer said something. And even then it was done subtly enough where some people still may not have got she was having a conflict and then made a conscious decision. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it, it happens. Uh, I, one, of, one of my longest-term friends is in that bracket and as somebody who did film production at uni <laughs> where why you do certain things on the camera I think about that that's why I was running on about getting the interviewer walking in like a crab for me that's a sign of a bad director because you do not have control of your scene <laughs> so it's just like those little things yeah you're meant to notice all of this <laughs> it's just that uh, yeah anyway yeah so that's the, they're the kind of big rumours for the draft uh, there isn't really a lot if uh, say how close it is normally around now you've got quite a few kind of names bubbling but as of right now there's not really a lot to go on which personally makes it more exciting if they do have plans and they haven't leaked that's my for a draft that's my dream tonight as a youngster when I first started watching WWE and they'd have like the Raw or Smackdown logo there and it would rotate through the different people like and it would do either their music or the show's music yeah I was all for that or even like the John Cena on Raw return as well I don't know what I think of the current format, where <laughs> where they just you're watching the show and then somebody just turns up. Are oh, you on the show now? Especially as I've been burnt by the past few drafts. <laughs> uh, uh, again, that was, I talked about it earlier, but just to repeat the final point. Hey, it's Monday night rematch. I can repeat my points. <laughs> so it's the just that thing of doing the draft, clearly not knowing what you're doing. So people are swapping back back and forth. Happened two years in a row. And in 2019, they built up the superstar shakeup so they could move talent back and forth, just really nearly, just to give a reason why they were doing that, because they clearly didn't think the draft view, drafted people then changed their minds. It's like, ugh. <laughs> 2020, they just drafted storylines, which was just like, not refreshing in the slightest, because <laughs> he's still he's seen the same story, same people interact, just on a different show. So, uh, yeah, cool, whatever. So hopefully this is a refresh, and for me personally, the hurt business, setting up hurt business bloodline, for me that's just like a no-brainer. You do that. That shakes up a raw as well because Bobby Lashley moves on to somewhere else. You bring somebody else in from SmackDown. There's a lot to work with. There's a lot to work with. But anyway, that is the end of the raw review. What do you make of Monday Night Raw? Uh, Biggie and Bobby Lashley as well. What do you make of their matches? Or well, the bigger one, Drew McIntyre versus Big E. Does the prospect of that match get you excited? Do you think it's just going to be a crown jewel match that you can kind of just throw away, put to the side, doesn't really matter? Or is this going to be a programme between the two where we may see some little character shifts or major character shifts? We'll see. Uh, we'll see. But anyway, just remember the image of McIntyre out there in his pants, pointing with his big sword. <laughs> just, when I wrote that, I was like, yeah, I, I, you know what you're doing, Matt. <laughs> you phrased it like that on purpose. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'll be back on Thursday with the uh, AEW review, and I think I'm totally fine to hype this up. Yeah, yeah. I'll be uh, joined by Rich Latter of One Nation Radio to review the show. Uh, somebody who I was I, I was informed just trust <laughs> trust me, Matt. AEW is on fire. It'll be really easy to get people to want to review it. <laughs> Seriously, it's <laughs> just the. Uh, like seriously, it's just like almost everybody. It's just been one word answer. Yes, I am in. <laughs> That's not one word answer, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Son of a bitch, I'm in. There you go. There's your Mick and Morty reference. Uh, That's a proof that I need to be out of here. Anyway, I'll be back on Thursday with Rich Latter to talk about AW Dynamite. Nearly said One Nation Radio. That's his show. <laughs> Check that out as well as a little hype. 
so with that, so thank you for watching, engaging uh, in any form, in any manner, like the five stars on iTunes, the just a liking of the video here, or it's a little message in the chat as well, just whatever, whatever. Also, you can hit me up on Twitter at the damn implicat, that's damn as in damn, and also the implications with two S's. If you really, really want to, you can also help support us uh, and the site as a whole by going to Red Circle and uh, donating through Red Circle to support the little world. Also, Wrestling Headlines uh, on Twitter at Russell Headlines, that's Wrestle without an E, and Wrestling Headlines over on Facebook. So with that, what do you make of the idea of Big E facing Drew McIntyre? Is this going somewhere? Is it not? And the draft as well, it's around the corner. All that excitement, feel free to hit me up on all the different platforms, always willing to chat. And with that, I bid you adieu. Adios.